Hi, hi. I'm Ray. And I'm Bree, and this is the R&B Podcast, a pop culture podcast where each week we wrap up the most recent pop culture events, except for our Black History Month special, in which each week we have something planned that has to do with the Black culture. Um, so, Ray, what is this week? We're, what are we talking about? This is a week that Bree has been dying for, apparently, for this past week. We are going to be talking about the new Netflix film, Malcolm and Marie, directed and written by Sam Levinson. Yeah, I'm mainly excited because I feel like you were mad about it. You really? Yeah, did you really like it? Oh my god. I, you know what? I want to know what... I want you to go first. Because yeah, I did not like it, so... <laughs> that's crazy. Okay, yeah. Because, yeah. Because I, I, I feel liked like I have it a... visually. Huh? I feel like I... I liked it visually. Okay. But the writing made me mad. Okay. Which I'm excited about this because like something that I've noticed, especially since like, like I'm an IMDb whore, right? Like I love reading people's reviews and something that I started noticing come like Wonder Woman, this past one is that people have really been like critiquing the writing and like the scripts and stuff like that, where normally people don't do that. So I'm excited to hear what you got to say. Let's hear it. Yeah, I mean, so I was enjoying it at first, and I think it was because I was, like, kind of blinded by, because I think it was very, like, I think it was very visually appealing of a movie. It was beautiful. Um, and, like, I really like that first scene where, with the windows while she's smoking and how that was, like, blocked and, like, the camera work with that scene. But then, like, about halfway through... I realized that the writer was like a white man and it felt like he was mainly complaining about the industry through a black man and like airing his own gripes. And then I was like, wait a minute. Also like Zendaya, you get Zendaya in your movie and you barely give her any lines. Um, and also like, which is, I don't know. let me interject right there, which is very interesting because she, I really feel like she outacted John David Washington. He did great. But she was phenomenal. Yeah, they both acted very well. But again, like, if you have a great actress, I feel like you should give her some lines. If you're going to complain about the industry, and I guess, I feel like some of it was supposed to be ironic, like when they're talking about, like, women being half-dressed in the movie, and he's in his full, like, suit still, basically, and she's in underwear and a tank top. Um, I don't know if that was supposed to be ironic or not. But it's, like, stuff like that where it's, like, you can't complain about the issues of the industry, but then kind of still, like, do a shitty job. I don't know. <laughs> um, But, like, yeah, it was just, that was, like, kind of my issue. And then also, like, plot-wise, I don't know. I guess because my thing is, is, like, if a man is yelling at you, like, that period, like, you should just leave. And I get, like, I guess it's, like, because she has no other options or whatever, but I think that's such an awful thing to say. I feel like, like, she could definitely probably find a better and healthier relationship than that. Um, So, yeah, that's why I was mad. (laughs) Okay, let me address a few parts that I think that I hear often that I'm just like, like as a writer, I'm like, well, I don't care. Like it's, and that sounds awful. Um, But when it comes to 
portray like and I I get the appeal of portraying healthy relationships and I understand the importance of like showing that beauty I guess but I think it's ridiculous to say that showing something that is real is like it is unproductive does that make sense yeah but I don't need to necessarily see a healthy relationship I need to see her leave (laughs) which you know which to your point yeah but how many people I was at that so Okay, so That's... part of it, too, was I was watching the movie with a group of people through, like, teleparty or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, there was a point where we literally were like, is she, like, is either she needs to kill him or leave because he's just so awful. Yeah. Um... <laughs> and it's, like, and, and I think that people feel those emotions and don't credit that to the right, or, or don't credit that to the story. Does that make sense? Like, you're not taking that emotion and saying that, like, just because it's not a good emotion, which the whole point of stories and of film, in my opinion, is to pull emotion from your audience. And by getting that reaction out of you guys, it's 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 reached its purpose. So it's not supposed to be like... like but I also could have emotion for from her leaving. That's the gag. Exactly, like, it's but not- that's not the point of what he was trying to... Like, like that is, and that's well, okay. So what it's, was the point? Because also at the not, end of the movie, I kind of was like, "What I watch people fight for two hours." Yeah, which okay. Let me let me get into why I, at bare minimum, appreciated it. Which, again, I'm a writer. I've been studying film for a while, and it's when as a like looking at it from the perspective of everything that I could see that it was paying homage to and what it was trying to do, I thought it was really well done. So looking at just the bare bones of it, of this black and white film um, that is starting in a very classic way as films from the 40s, 50s, 60s, even, which by that point, like, filming in black and white was a choice, but still people did it. Like, it had that opening that was very nostalgic to me and that I feel like as Black people, we never really got to see ourselves in that lens as main characters, as anyone other than the help. Do you know what I mean? So from that perspective, it was refreshing to see, even though it does seem a bit antiquated. I thought that was a really good homage, as well as the fact that movies like this were huge hits back then in the day, whereas now we have a lot more movement. We have a lot more action I guess going past what the characters are doing which I think the whole point of his criticism and of his like those rants that he was going on is the fact that 
people are looking more towards for a system. They're looking more for um, actions. They're looking more for bigger conflicts than just the two characters on the screen. See, like, I didn't feel like I needed that, though. Like, the whole movie kind of felt like a play to me. Like, I was like, I've seen... I, I know, mean, that's where I a lot know, of the issue was. But, but Brie, that was the point, too. No, I know. I'm not mad about it, though. Like, that's the thing. It's like, I, once, like, early on, I realized, I was like, this feels like a lot like a play. Mm-hmm. Which, again. And that didn't bother me. Which, again, though, it, most movies from the 40s, from the 50s, from the 60s, in that golden age of Hollywood, were plays adapted to film. I feel like he wanted it to feel that way. Yeah, like, and that wasn't an issue. Like, I, I got that part. And I was like, okay, cool. And again, like the plot felt very similar to like a bunch of plays I've seen us have to like act out in class and stuff because like a lot of them are just either monologues or like if they're just duet scenes, there are like large chunks of speaking. So like that was fine. It just, ugh. I liked it until halfway through and I was like, wait, I'm tired of this. (laughs) See, and I just, I I honestly thought it was really well paced as well, because when you consider, like, looking at it from a story standpoint, the kind of characters that they are, that he is this pretentious guy, that she is this really pensive person, like, damaged person, that, like, what it really made me think of, especially in those moments, because it's like, he has, like, large blocks of argument, and then, like, these transition scenes where you just get like music and they're doing like really mundane things but you can also see them thinking through a lot it reminds me it reminded me of like when you're in an argument with someone or like you're in conflict with someone and then it's like over and you go and you like think of all this other crap that you wanted to say and like or like when you were young and you got in trouble with your parents and like you'd go up to your room and like be mad about it you know and like arguing with yourself about why they're wrong and stuff except they had the time and the room to go back and actually confront each other with that kind of like with their grievances that's what it felt like I will say like as where I feel like it failed is in like you said these are monologues and so that does get preachy come 40 minutes in when you're like, and, and that's also why I feel like it was so easy to be like, well, she should just, you know, get up and leave because it didn't feel like a couple that was arguing. It felt like two people that were preaching at each other. And I was just like, but she barely got like, I, and I know monologues. That's the thing too. It wasn't like, Like, it didn't feel as balanced as it could have been. Exactly. Like, when you think of, I think the movie that this was probably the most, that he leaned on the most, was Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Have you seen that play? Or Yeah, and I'm very familiar with it, yeah. Yeah. Like, from the opening scene, they get home at 2.30 a.m., like, her going into the room and, like, organizing clothes and put, like pretty much all of it everything in that first like 30 minutes it's pretty much like beat for beat that movie or that play however you want to see it and it also like kind of reflects the relationship between the two leads in that like film 
Elizabeth, which is probably why I liked it at first. Yeah, which is like Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. Like he makes this like um, reference at the end where he's like, you know, I feel like we're gonna get married and divorced, you know. And Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton were married and divorced like two or three times. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I feel like, like I said, I appreciated it because of those choices that I feel like he made. But at the same time, when you think of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, they are bickering at each other constantly you know what I mean and it's like like you said it's back and forth and yeah it's dialogue whereas this was very 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 like performance like I'm gonna get all of this out in this moment and it's like yeah. they they didn't it, it's it's like yeah they took this time to like really listen I guess but it's like at what point is it just preaching back and forth? And also, like, like you said, whenever you're, like, in an argument or, like, getting in trouble, like, there's a point where you just stop listening to the monologue anyways. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, they're not even probably listening to each other. And, I mean, honestly, she's probably not listening to him. Because, again, I feel like she had maybe two monologues. And one he did listen to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, like, he took from it what he wanted to take and then came back and was, like, what do you mean about mediocre? Do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, as a as a whole, I think structurally, there were definitely some missteps. But like as characters, I think I understood it. Like because like, I watched it twice. Like, oh, I'm never watching it again. <laughs> yeah, I downvoted so quickly. Really? Because <laughs> here's the thing: I I watched it, I watched it twice. The first time I watched it, it took me about, it probably took me about 45 minutes longer than, like, the actual runtime because I kept pausing it to, like, take notes and, like, really dig into, like, who these people were as characters. Like, even, like, it took me forever to get through the first 13 minutes, which is, like, basically the credit scene where she's making the mac and cheese. Yeah. Because I just found so much symbolism there, and I feel like it really was loaded and that it really was like paced and practiced you know but like you said it does get a little bit looser come like you know yeah like 30, what, I feel in. like maybe if it was like that beginning part the whole time maybe I do enjoy it but yeah like about halfway through I realized I was like wait I'm not enjoying this anymore Mm-hmm. Um, I did make craft mac and cheese after I watched it though, so I literally was craving it the entire time I was watching the movie. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it just like, oh, I don't know. And I think part of it because I do appreciate people being anti the system, which was like essentially all that he was talking about. But it's just like, is I feel like it was overly preachy when I thought about who was writing it. Yeah. With, like from his pers- and I was like, hmm, this perspective of who's writing this doesn't s- really sit right with me. <laughs> and which to that point, Sam Levin said as a white man talking through a black man. And yeah, when you're, I, I think when it came to that and what he was saying about authenticity, I found myself asking, which is a dangerous thing to do. Like, but as as an English major, often we did it anyways, is wondering about authorial intent. And like, 
what does that actually look like? Do you mean what you said on the, like, I feel like it was one of those screenplays that I would have loved to read. I don't know that I'd love to just like watch it because I want to dissect it and really, really see what he meant because to an extent it would feel like maybe he was critiquing himself because to be honest Malcolm and Marie felt because it was only written by Sam Levinson most of it I feel like it was the same person talking back and like back and forth with one another I feel like it was more so a writer having this conversation with himself as opposed to a couple and I think that's maybe me unmarrying that and like not necessarily looking at it as like a man and a woman, but more so Sam Levinson talking back and forth with himself may have like softened some of the blows for me as well. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I know like other people are bothered by like, they're like, it doesn't sound like black people talking. And that part didn't really bother me too, too much. But I was just was slightly bothered. I was like, hmm, this like industry benefits you. Like you're able to like, people are hyping up this movie and, like, a lot of it is Zendaya, but, like, a part of it is you, too. And it's because of, like, your, part, like, place of privilege in this world. And, like, so it just felt really weird to me that I was, like, you're using a Black man to, like, complain about this industry that honestly benefits you. And some of the complaints, like, felt kind of like digs. I wish I wrote them down. Where I was, like, mm-hmm. yes, you can be mad about it, but really you shouldn't be, like... Mm-hmm. Where it's like, which, I like you said, I got some of what he was trying to say, but at the end of the day, you do kind of look at it and go, are, are you the person who needs to be having this conversation? And to that point, I think, yeah, but also looking at himself as a person of critique. So it's like, was he doing that? Was he looking at himself as a person that needed to hear that critique as well or no? Because in the end... Yeah, so like, that's, I brought up like the... I don't know if it's supposed to be ironic of her like being half dressed and the like male character being fully dressed while they're complaining about the actress being naked in the scene and it's stuff like that where I'm like like are you <laughs> I'm like so are you mad about it or not because it's in this movie like mm-hmm. yeah and so you know, I think like... I, and that and that's where you're and that's where you have to ask like like you said is this is this irony? Are you doing this because you want to showcase that Malcolm is that Malcolm and even you as a writer are hypocritical? And see, it felt like sorry, like it feels like when people call Glee satire, like it felt like that irony where you're like, maybe, but not really. Like <laughs> that's how I felt. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it was like, hmm. And not saying that she should have been in that uncomfortable dress the whole time, but like, give her a robe. Yeah. Which I she got stuff like that. And like, took it. Yeah. Which, yeah. You know, I, I there's get like it. simple choices. Yeah. I get it. And it's like, I feel like those choices were very purposeful. But like, he also has this point where I was like, where I think it got really murky for me, where I was like, I just don't know how aware you are. Because 
he's asking or like Malcolm says, we live in a world where someone can't imagine what life may be like for some as someone else. Um, but he also argues to some point that like, or Malcolm argues to some point, like, where are all the black filmmakers? Like, where are these people? And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't feel like those things can go hand in hand. Because when you look at this argument as a, um, when you look at the argument of why can't I, why can't I voice my opinion through someone else, but also then saying, you know, well, let's get more of these writers in here. It's like, is your perspective really needed about the black experience if we have black writers and filmmakers? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I don't know. And like, Oh, I I just, I guess I'm frustrated. Mm-hmm. I was really excited about the movie. I mean, I also went into it blind, like I always do. So I really didn't know, like, what was going to happen. But after watching, so I watched the trailer after I watched the movie, and I was like, even if I were to watch this trailer, like, what I saw would have been what I expected. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think there's a lot to be discussed. And I feel like there's a lot like that <sighs> I feel like it just it would just make a lot more sense if we could just sit down with Sam Levinson and say what what were you trying to do because it seems like there was a lot that he wanted to get done and I feel like he may have checked off like I said he may have checked off the nostalgia box he may have, t- have checked off like the paying homage box he may have checked off the um, you know I guess just a, a really the accomplishment of filming an entire movie in a pandemic with about 10 people. Like, yeah. I feel like you, I feel like you hit all those boxes, but there's still a, a moment that you can be critiqued. Even when you make some points, it's like, are they outdone by people trying to figure out exactly what you're trying to say? Yeah, I probably would have liked the movie more if it was less political, I guess, in that sense. But and and to that point though, Brie, I feel like a lot of people do hold on to what he says about critics and all that kind of stuff, and I cared more about their relationship than I did about anything else. Which I felt like those scenes were more of a vessel to reveal character than they were to talk about the system. Which was his point to some extent while he's talking about when he reads the review that in essence is a good review, but she focuses on his on like mental health or like the critiques of like how like you said like how he views women or something like that. And his point is why aren't you looking more so at the characters, which <clears throat> I feel like is as a writer is my first go to. And as an avid reader is where I, you know, first go to. And so I wasn't necessarily worried about as much about the argument that he was trying to make in that sense, as opposed to what that revealed about the characters that he was portraying on screen. Yeah, I never, I don't know. I guess I really don't look at characters because I'm like, (laughs) I don't get emotionally attached (laughs) to them too much unless they like, the right, I guess, because I unless I enjoy the writing, I won't get emotionally attached to the characters. Mm-hmm. And so, like, because he's writing 
from like the standpoint of like talking about the industry like that's all I'm really thinking about every time and it like and those were like some of his longest monologues and like then when I like look at their relationship like he's just kind of being awful to her and she kind of also is like like none of them are like the hero of the story yeah um but like at the same time just like the he had personal digs of Marie that also like obviously were awful and like those of course would like evoke emotion from me but like when he's complaining about the system I like that would take me out of the movie and think about who was writing it and be like wait a minute (laughs) which respectable yeah and that's the thing too is like I hate when I get taken out of a movie or a play because of like the writing and in the sense of like I can watch something be political and still be immersed into the like player movie but like not when you're like doing these long ass monologues but like trying to be ironic with it and or complain <laughs> yeah so still unclear <laughs> still really unclear yeah it's still you know that's the thing too maybe if I like knew his intent with the some of the stuff that he was writing about I could feel better about mm-hmm. it which to me, a lot of it, like, not to say I listened through it, because, I, but it's like, especially to the point that a lot of people are like, it's so pretentious. No one talks like this, and I'm like, when you're looking at it, no, they do. when you're looking at it as characters, I I- yeah, they re- like, especially his kind of character, that really pretentious film guy who all he talks about is movies filmed in black and white and how newer films like pay no justice to them like this guy definitely does exist and I feel like when you're a person like Marie and I feel something that you have to pay attention to is that both of them at some point during this narrative and this argument with each other say you know I know you I know the little ticks about you that make you who you are and they both make these assertions about who the other person is as opposed to like figuring out through their own shit they're really just like this is what you mean and this is all that you'll ever be do you know what I mean like they make a lot of big claims about each other and so when you're in a especially as the woman in that situation as Marie in that situation when you're faced with fighting a person like a Malcolm if you don't come in seemingly on his level using words like hyperbolic you know like or um at least fighting at the same pedigree that he believes that he's fighting at Mm -hmm. then you don't you're not going to get anywhere and so it's like I don't I didn't find any issue with the way that they were speaking to each other also because when you're looking at it again as these are characters who live in that world and that's just their world and we're even though we're just now getting into it they've been there for a while you gotta wonder how many times have they had an argument like this they seem to be professional at fighting each other and they know how to get to each other like this is not the first time that they've had this argument they've had time to practice these lines yeah that makes me sad yeah (laughs) But it's like, that's the reality of their situation. And so when I see critiques like that, I'm like, uh, I don't, yeah, I just don't care about them. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I was slightly bothered by him basically being like, no one else will love you because you're so broken and blah, say, blah, say, blah. Because I'm like, that's, I don't know. I think because some of, I was, see, and like, those are like the parts where like, I can care about the relationship on an emotional level. Because I'm like, that's just so awful to say to somebody and like, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, she could find someone better, better and who will like, treat her respectfully possibly but like you make her feel a little trapped so like yeah yeah there were like there were some little lines of an abusive relationship in there that like were a little off and I was like oof. (laughs) oh no like there's no denying that this is an abusive relationship no denying that they're completely toxic yeah and so like and yeah so like those were the parts I would care about them emotionally But, like, a good half of the movie, I couldn't care about them emotionally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and, yeah, to that point, I've just been trained to do that. And so it's, like, that's my my default. I don't think the average watcher or even a person who cares about film, but not to that extent, you know, I don't think that they would care. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's, like, a lot of things people did not care, like, <laughs> like, just watching it, you know, like, either they liked it or disliked it and didn't really have reasoning why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I just, like, I wish it was better. <laughs> I wish I could have enjoyed it more, if I'm being completely honest. Because, like, I really was looking forward to it. And now, and then I was disappointed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I think it was one of those things where I started watching and I started noticing all these little ticks and I started noticing all these like um, different things and it all just made sense to me. And so I was like, yeah, you know, like the film nerd in me was really excited about it. Um, And like the storyteller in me understood the necessity almost of writing the characters to be that extreme um so I just didn't it didn't bother me but a lot of people weren't messing with it I honestly feel like I wouldn't have been bothered by it if it wasn't Sam writing which I think is kind of his point if it's the black man that wrote it the exact same way uh I don't know even <laughs> I don't even know if it was a black man wrote it I still probably would not <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> If because of the character of how he was, I probably honestly would have only felt fine with it if like a black woman would have wrote, written it. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I think just also speaks to just how well the performance what like went. Yeah, no, the acting was amazing. I will say that. Um, like it was like, have you ever? Um, oh gosh, what am I thinking of? Have you ever seen a streetcar named Desire? No, I have not. That was like, it okay. Sorry for the hesitation. I just read if Bill Street could talk. I'm supposed to watch that movie soon, so I was like, think I was like, Street. No, I have not. <laughs> I wait, Streetcar Named Desire. I have seen the play. Yeah, and so like, and that was like <laughs> that was a role originated by like Marlon Brando, both on Broadway and like in film and where he got critical acclaim for it is like it was one of the first 
truly disgusting characters that people ever saw on film where people are usually really buttoned up and like um a little more polished I guess but like Mm -hmm. even to the way that he was that Malcolm was like disgustingly eating that mac and cheese like that was like a tick of that character in A Streetcar Named Desire of Marlon Brando's character where it's like he's just this disgusting almost barbaric kind of character that even if what he was saying had any merit at all you hated him so viscerally just because of how disgusting he was yeah no part of it was like some because the people i was watching with complaining they're like these don't feel like black characters and there were some things where i was like these remind me of black people that i know and i think a lot of it were the actions for sure uh and those choices mm-hmm. um, and it's like but you gotta ask yourself, what does a black character look like? About, exactly. That's why, like, when those people are complaining about, like, the dialogue not sounding like black people, I'm like, I don't know. I One didn't notice it, but at the same time, like, everyone has different upbringing, so it's not like all black people, like, sound the same. I mean, I think they were, like, complaining because there wasn't that much, like, um, A-V-E in there and stuff like that. And, like, some of the cussing they felt like... Um, and word choices they felt like were more white um but at the same time like i don't know maybe shoot i now i'm thinking about it i'm like maybe it's because i'm so like used to like quote colorblind casting which is kind of awful that it's like i don't really notice the difference about how people talk but also everyone grows up in different places and so yeah and to that point too he they like marie addresses the fact that he grew up, like, I, I think I wrote down in my notes, but he really grew up as, like, a Cosby kid. Do you know what I mean? Like, his mom was, like, a lawyer, and his dad was, like, a doctor or something like that. And he grew up, like, she talks about how he grows up with the silver spoon in his mouth. And so the struggle that he likes to talk about or that he thinks that he knows, he doesn't really know. Like, he's yeah. never really been a part of the street, or I guess, I mean, or however people wanted to phrase that. So yeah, and also like him being a part of the like movie industry, like he probably does adapt, and like essentially, like if he's so immersed in it, like those mannerisms and speech things, like yeah, especially when you are a film snob who went to school for film, like that's how they talk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's why I was like, yeah, the talking didn't bother me. And, like, yeah, like, the behavior. But you're right. Like, how do black people act? But, like, some of them, I'm like, this does remind me of someone I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it was, I think it was very true to themselves. I think it, I think it actually did detail real people. But at the same time, like I was saying, like, there was a point where they were talking about how, or how hurt she was that, he had basically written her story or that she, you know, felt like she could never tell her story or she like felt like she had given him too much that I think is just like a big insecurity for writers as a whole. It's like there, there are some writers who like Malcolm say, you know, like, or who think that like, their ability to like take a person and put it on page is like a talent which I can't say that I don't feel that way at least a little bit you know 
mm-hmm. like the, their ability to like take a person in real life and like portray them in a way that like their perspective is just that important that it changes the whole of it as a as, as like it changes the whole person as a being but then there's also that really insecure part of you that's like what if they see this and don't and like and and they feel some type of way about it you know what I mean mm-hmm. or it's like how are they going to feel about the way that I put them on screen that you almost don't want them to watch you know and so it's like I feel like there were moments like that that I was reminded that this was written by a person who may really be talking to themselves as because when you think of Sam Levinson and his backstory as a drug addict as a teen and all that kind of stuff which is kind of where he pulls from for euphoria it's like to me I was really watching this buttoned up pretentious part of himself fighting with the more raw and distressed part of himself and like how pulling constantly pulling from that person constantly pulling from that drug addict of a person like truly shapes his work but people kind of see this desirable pretentious part of him more i hope that's what he wants i feel like (laughs) not gonna lie i can't give him the benefit of the doubt to think that deeply Mm -hmm. exactly that's what like maybe a black woman writing this could think that deeply (laughs) which (laughs) and that's and that's just the, the thing about like i said i've been writing essays about this kind of stuff for years now like I, I and so I'm so entranced that I can't really tell you if I feel like that's a legitimate case to be made. Can I make yeah. a case about it? Yeah, but See, exactly. <laughs> it feels like it's like <laughs> it's like when we are like analyzing these plays in theater, and you like give meaning to stuff, but you don't know what the playwright really meant by it. Exactly. Like, like, did you just mean like? don't take it so personally every time you see someone that might look like you on screen or were you truly insecure about it to some point yeah see yeah i got all insecurity but i'm glad you got a different perspective yeah which you know everyone will and i guess that kind of just proves how um subjective film can be but I don't know. I just find it so funny that like critics are really holding on to this, these parts about critics and saying like, "Well, screw you." And it's like, eh, you made them. See, like, <laughs> yeah. See, like I wasn't mad about that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's like, yeah, no, critics don't talk about characters. Critics don't talk about whatever. They put up a. They can put up to some extent some bullshit about camera angles and all that kind of stuff and say that like I I saw a person that was like there's too much movement and it's like and they were and they were saying like if this wait and Malcolm and Marie Malcolm and Marie they were saying there's too much movement like if this is supposed if um it felt like a play and so it should have been shot like a play and I was like what I disagree with that yeah (laughs) like that's like saying a movie musical needs to be shot like a musical yeah and I just I was like, wow, that's not I don't feel like that's a fair criticism. Um, and so it's like, 
And I'm so sorry. Just, there's stuff like that that I'm like, all right, all right, guys, let's let's move on. Or we're, yeah, we're getting away from the actual what the playwright is trying to say, but at the same time, what are the dangers in trying to figure out what they're trying to say? Like, is it safer to just talk about the whatever as opposed to subscribing some intent to him that may not even matter? I think, see, yeah, that's, uh, and we've talked off the record about, like, critics, and I guess that's, like, a good point that you're bringing up, because, like, I don't really know what their purpose is. Like, yeah, are they supposed to just, like, analyze what they saw, or are they supposed to add meaning? And I think, I don't really want them to add meaning, Mm -hmm. because it's, like, see, like, I actually respect your opinion, but, like, if they add meaning to it, I'm, like, it's the whole, like, I, it's, like, speak from your own opinions kind of thing. Yep um so like it's hard I think critics can't really give meaning to it but at the same time like it sounds like they don't know what they're talking about because it's like yes it felt like a play but not because of like how it like was presented it was like because of the monologues like it was (laughs) people didn't think it felt like a play because it like was supposed to be a play sir (laughs) it was actually a man Um, Oh, really? Yeah. But the thing is, it's like, yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. It's like, what, what are you really asking for them to do? Whereas like the, oh, another point that he made is like the movie Imani that he wrote was about shame and guilt. And it's Mm -hmm. like, so what what did you expect the critics to say? This is a play about shame and guilt. (laughs) Like, what did you want them to say? Yeah, I'm very, yeah, honestly, not, I've never really considered what their purpose was supposed to be. I mean, I really, I think there's a lot of gatekeeping <laughs> done by critics, mm-hmm. but, so, like, that's, but, like, maybe if they really had a main purpose, that wouldn't happen too much. Yeah, which their purpose, I guess, is in some ways to inform and the audience. yeah. And to say this is what, which I think when they do the whole, you know, it's busy or there's so like, 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 again, like there's too much movement or whatever, then people start to notice stuff and then like feel like they're being intelligent about their conversations before or after they've like wa- even watched the movie, um, which I think is crap. Um, oh, I agree with that though. Like Parasite, like all the theories and stuff that like you wouldn't know unless you like read something about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like yeah, I feel like it. I feel like it then lends itself to like trying to manufacture conversation, whereas so that then people don't make those kind of calls for themselves anymore. Which you know, I I have my own feelings about, but. Yeah, I I mean, how are the critics feeling? Because I haven't read anything about Malcolm Murray. I thought it was hilarious because there were some that were like, Malcolm and Marie, um, uh, from the perspective of two critics about a movie that hates critics. Like, <laughs> they, like it just, oh, okay. See, yeah, they're going to be mad about it and hung up on that. Never mind. And, and, <laughs> and that's the thing, like, one of the ones, one of the one of the critiques that I like actually liked was like a Roger Everton one, and he is a person who who addressed that, saying like, you know, 
it seems like Sam Levinson may feel like he may get away with talking about critics because when critics talk about it and they talk about those scenes specifically, people will just write it off as them being hypocrite or as them being heard about it. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to having actually anything to say. So it's like, does did he save himself from critique by then ma- manufacturing these critiques that could disprove his point? I see. I see. I could see that as yeah. Which uh, it's it's a it's a conversation to be had. Which then again changes the intent. Was it a trap? Well, yeah, because like part of me, because like yeah, it was very anti-critic. So like I was supportive of it. But, like, I did kind of think about that in the back of my head, where it's, like, when you, in this movie, like, him being anti-critic, people are going to disregard any critiques, probably. I mean, that's a big generalization. But, like, people will disregard, like, the critiques of this movie, because it's, like, well, you said they didn't matter. So, like, mm-hmm. that was in the back of my head. So I'm glad a critique critic kind of called him out on it, because I don't, like... I don't know. Like, I don't... Because there were things outside of that bit of the movie that could have been critiqued, so it's kind of a shame that, like, critics can't get over it. Mm -hmm. That was, honestly, such a small... I mean, it was a big part of the movie, but, like, there were a lot of other things that happened. (laughs) Yeah, and like I said, that was the part of the movie that I really just attributed to to character development of him and how he sees his work and therefore how he could then trivialize her part in his work. Yeah. Because he's also so they were caught talking up... about critics at the beginning of the movie and like what were they gonna say? So mm-hmm. like yeah, like it literally was, and just it was kind more... of a follow-up. <laughs> yeah, and it was more of an indictment on how they saw him and how they felt about him. And it just showed how selfish of a character he was that he valued his own perspective that even to the point that he felt that he had the authority to look at Marie and say this is what you actually want this is what you mean and this is what you're asking for when you say x y and z whereas she he she doesn't care about his perspective of her and shouldn't care about his perspective of her do you know what I mean like it's he's a he's a classic film guy who can't get outside of um how important what he has to say is yeah overall i can make (laughs) an argument as to like i i feel like at this point i I can't tell you anything i feel like i can't tell if you liked it or like you seem to generally like it but there were some big flaws for you (laughs) and and that's again again that's my training like i'm not really supposed to i'm not really a person who can look at any form of literature and um, say if it's good or bad or if I liked it or not. Because that's not really the point. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. I think saying stuff is good and bad is so subjective. But I feel like you should be able to have an opinion on it and say if you liked it or not. Well, I have an, I have an opinion. And my opinion is that I genuinely enjoyed watching it. I was impressed because I thought that, like I said, I could pick up on all these little things. And also, I I actually thought it was well-paced for how um, in real time it was. 
Mm-hmm. I never felt like it was dragging. Okay, so was I, I? Yeah, I didn't know that if you knew this or not. Because I was wondering. Because I remember they mentioned the beginning of the movie. It's like one a.m. She was saying she was tired, and about towards the like last third of the movie, I was like, "Is this like five a.m. at this point?" I mean, and you gotta think about all the shit that they've done at that. Point. Exactly. Like, That's why I was like, because at first I was like, "This movie clearly isn't like, like it's it's not like a play where like." everything happens and like maybe there's a little bit of a time jump at intermission but sometimes like in plays that are like this that whole fight was like the two hours that they were fighting but Mm -hmm. this movie had like the montages and like big gaps of time so in my head I was like the sun's about to be up and they're going to bed (laughs) yeah I like kind of at that point I felt bad because like they were talking about being tired at 1 a.m yeah I think it was like two but like even still like the first 13 minutes, like I said, which is arguably the best part of this film, it's like leading up to Malcolm and Marie, the bowl of mac and cheese is on the counter, like huge letters, introduction, here we go. Like that whole section was literally second by second. Yeah. And I just, I didn't feel like it ever dragged and I didn't feel like, like from a filmmaking perspective, I thought for what they did and how how little people do this now I thought it was really well done I I I don't know I can't say then that I liked it I appreciated it for sure yeah no the first part of the movie was definitely my favorite and then like I think the reason I watched it again is because I went and watched some of the critics like perspective like people really clung on or I think the general public really like clung on to this whole Barry Jenkins thing and I'm like I feel like that's more you guys than it is Sam Levitt. Like, I don't feel like he really said anything indicting about that man. Especially, like, because there yeah, were some people I... who were just misinformed because they were like, he's a gay man that wrote a story about, uh, like, he, he, he's the director of Moonlight. And who's a gay man that, like, wrote a story about a gay man? And it was like, he's not gay. <laughs> like, like yeah. y'all are just, like, I feel like people really wanted to be mad about a lot of stuff. Yeah, that see name call it doesn't really bother me either. I <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, okay, whatever. Like, I think honestly, it was one. I think he like added it just to like bring some real world like relevancy to it, and like it just so happened that this person like happened to be the person he called out. Yeah, but I really don't think it was like exactly. I don't think it was like that big of a deal. Yeah. And that's just a tea. So. One last question. Sorry. You're good. So, because I remember the day, so like the day it dropped, Netflix was obviously tweeting it up. And they were like, they're like, this movie is all about gratefulness or whatever. Did you feel like that's what it was? Um, yes. Because like no. a lot of people were like retweeting it and being like, yes, like I agree. Like, be grateful for like everyone blah 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 blah. yeah like I was like I get it but not really (laughs) I feel like yes but I think I think people are reducing it down to a simple thank you and that's not really what it is like there's so much more that goes into that thank you that she needed 
lot more acknowledgement that she needed in that thank you and just how hard it was for him to say it I think it adds on to the meaning as a whole at least from my perspective but yeah I guess that's yeah. what I want to boil it down to yeah <laughs> That's like no, because yeah, I was like, it's like kind of when you're like mad about one thing, and then you realize you're mad about like a lot of bigger things. I was like, I was like, yeah, I guess it was about the thank you, but also like mm-hmm. there were a lot of other issues that had to be addressed. There were. It's and and honestly, for me, because like another tagline is like, this isn't a love story. This is a story about love. I think it did accomplish that in a way, like just from the very beginning, like boxed mac and cheese you know what I mean like I feel like there's something so simple about her coming home and being mad and being like you know what at the very least I'm gonna make this mac and cheese like that like that was like her at least do you know what I mean and I feel like that's kind of what the thank you was at the very end was like at that point, it was a box of mac and cheese. It wasn't necessarily about the gratitude, which may have been more than that, which may have been a meal, which may have been like actually like, I don't know, baking the mac and cheese and shit. I don't know what that means, but it just felt like the simplicity of the beginning just showed how they really are doing somewhat of the bare minimum. And like, really asking yourself okay does that equate to love or does that equate to simplicity which I think some people like to say you know love is like simple and like it 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 doesn't it isn't that like hard I guess where it's like but when there's real you know when there's realness in there when there's like actual love it's a little more complicated than that when there's actual gratitude it's a little more complicated than that and I think mm-hmm. that's what all the the whole thing in the middle was is it, it's just a little more complicated than that yeah because how many times does he apologize and say thank you throughout the middle I honestly couldn't tell you <laughs> I mean it's quite a bit <laughs> because honestly but... there were other things that sat with me more <laughs> mm-hmm and it's like, even even thinking, like, this movie could have been over in five minutes had he not decided to have this con- had have this fight. Because she has said multiple times, like, Let's, we're not going to be productive. We're not going to get anything done. And it, it was really one of those, like, open endings where it's like, he says a thank you, and she says, you're welcome. He, she doesn't know what he's thankful for. And at that point, you have he- to ask yourself... Did she just not want to have that argument again? See, yeah, I kind of agree with that. Because at the same time, I was like, did he learn? And I don't think he did. No. And she knows that. (laughs) She told him, this is the best that you're ever going to be. So. That's so sad. Yeah. I think it, yeah. You think what? (laughs) (laughs) You don't think it's sad? I think it's sad I also think it's real and so that's why I'm just not mad at it like I feel like people are mad and I'm not there yeah I'm not mad I was more disappointed (laughs) 
Isn't that the worst thing you can say to a child? Yeah, like, I'm is. not mad. I'm I'm just disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> disappointed is honestly. I hate disappointing people. Actually, I don't know if I dislike it because I do be bailing on people. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but it definitely yeah, <laughs> disappointment's worse than anger. <laughs> That's true. I just, I also, I don't know. I think disappointment low-key takes less energy than anger. Like, I, why waste my energy being mad at this when it really, at the end of the day, doesn't matter? Yeah. It's more when I can be disappointed and move on. Yeah. It is more apathetic than anything. Yeah. Like, I, that's the thing. It's like, I am never going to, I'm not going to go around and be like, I hate this movie and not recommend it to people, but I can just slightly not watch it again. <laughs> Yep, and some people won't do that. <laughs> exactly, that's the thing. Yeah, some people will not be doing that. <laughs> some people are gonna be like, "How dare you watch Malcolm Murray?" Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. So that's where I'm at. Maybe eventually I'll watch it again because it was beautiful to watch. It was when I, like you said, like that opening scene. He jumps up on the windowsill. I thought that was just a great scene. Yeah, no, like that opening sequence was gorgeous. Um, and so like that was like, yeah, it's so, like really settling into the movie. I was like, wow, this is gonna be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it was fine. <laughs> and at the end of the day, could I write an entire essay about how Malcolm and Marie had the same cadence as macaroni and cheese, and how the whole thing just makes sense that way yeah but am I gonna do that probably not (laughs) there's a lot to be gleaned that's the point yeah I think honestly the less characters they there are in like anything the more you can like dissect it Mm -hmm. um like I think yeah this is one of those movies I think is very interesting to like I'm interested by everyone's opinions by it because I think everyone really did take something different away from it and everyone has such different opinions on it. Mm-hmm. Although I have I have yet to see a person who like really liked it. Oh, no way. I've not seen anyone who really liked it. But I mean, see, part of me is like, is it just because like he called out everyone and their mother in this movie? So like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, is everyone a little hurt by it? Um, and or like probably like similar to me where like I it's not that I need a happy ending but like I would have preferred them just like Jay chilling at the end you know mm-hmm. which I, and I guess we can kind of end here yeah it's like the epitome of these kinds of films and of these kinds of stories like Going back to the very beginning with, like, A Streetcar Named Desire, in the original play, he, like, at the at the very end of the play, this woman gets back with her abusive husband, who is mm-hmm. very much a Malcolm, you know, because she has this baby, and they walk back into the apartment, and it ends there. And then it's on screen, when it was adapted to film because of people and how they didn't really know about that ending and you know there was that kind of like apprehension towards it which what may have been the truth was then changed to um she runs away with the baby and they're never 
like and apparently from what we can see at the end of the film they don't talk again and Mm -hmm. so it's like there's always going to be different versions to try to appease different people and lord knows which one of those things is right yeah so yeah yeah i mean i yeah i can't disagree with that because everyone like everyone's life is different so you're like there's a reality where yes she stays with him and there's a reality maybe she does leave him Mm -hmm. and we just got the one where she stays exactly and that's the point (laughs) (laughs) that i'm agreeing (laughs) yay i'm glad that we can agree at the end of this Alrighty, guys, it is time for Sorry Not Sorry. That is the part of the podcast where we get to air our grievances, showcase something we love, whatever you want to do. It is your part of the podcast to tell us about something and why you're not sorry about it. So, B, what you got? So, I did mention this for two seconds last week, but now obviously everyone's talking more about it. And it's the whole Free Britney um, New York Times episode. Um, and yeah, and honestly, I'm mainly excited. Honestly, the documentary didn't give me too much more information um, than, like, I knew, like, there wasn't anything that was too, too shocking by it. Um, but I'm very, very glad because apparently it's going back to court. Um, and also because I don't remember if I was telling you this or my roommate, but I was like, I was talking to somebody about Free Britney, and I just was like, the issue is that not enough people know about it that like there's not enough like media attention on it for people to care and so like all of a sudden this comes out and people are caring and now it's not just a niche group of like britney stands who know about it Mm -hmm. so like i'm just very glad that maybe hopefully she will be free and no longer be in a conservator conservatorship with her father um because honestly like she just deserves the best. She had a very, very hard young adulthood. <laughs> she really did. She really did. And, like, and that's the thing. So, so many people are, like, saying, like, I'm sorry, Brittany. Because, like, obviously, a lot of, similar to Paris Hilton, a lot of the issues were just, like, how media were treating these young women at the time, paparazzi. But, like, I don't know. I was, like, I never really felt that because I've always been such a Brittany supporter. <laughs> Very much on the whole leave Britney alone train. <laughs> so yeah. Like I'm just I just am very excited and hopeful. And so that's my sorry not sorry for this week. <laughs> that's tea. I think it's what's the most interesting part of it is that like uh like millennials and us like zillennials who like know a little bit more about it and who have known about like the free Britney thing, it's interesting to see like gen z now be like oh this happened to britney and it's like yeah <laughs> Come i don't think my mom even really knew about it like it was is i think it low-key was more of a gen zennial thing and mm-hmm. like late millennials because it just like i i guess it was an instagram thing i don't remember like the origins i just remember knowing about it and just always telling people about it whenever britney got brought up i know like every time britney comes up i'm just like free britney and people are like yeah excuse like, me like is she okay and it's like no she's not <laughs> before the episode dropped we were like arguing because i'm stupid and can't understand how you can hear the if you 
seek Amy thing. And literally, I was like, this argument doesn't matter until she's free. And like, that was the end of the conversation. We couldn't say anything else. And we uh, didn't know this episode was going to drop. We just were, like, mad about it. That's tea. Truly, <laughs> our arguments are incredibly trivial. Anyways. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Free Britney. <laughs> That's- honestly, yeah. And honestly, everyone who did screw over should apologize at the fact that justin timberlake crawled out of his permed cave wow <laughs> and and finally gave us a janet apology apparently yeah from what i from what i heard like justin tried to apologize to her like a while back but she was like baby i've already like the damage has been done i've already been out on yeah every, like You've already been back to the Super Bowl. You've already been at the Grammys when I wasn't allowed to go. So, no, yeah. What are you you apologizing for? Yeah, he has nerve. (laughs) White man audacity. You gotta love it. Oh, I cannot believe she doesn't really have rights right now. Anyways, okay. (laughs) What's your sorry? Not sorry. (laughs) (laughs) My sorry, not sorry is like, hard to say but it must be said i am so excited for these taylor swift (laughs) re-uploads and i know we've had some things to say about our girl taylor and i still feel the way that i feel about taylor but let's go back and talk about how reagan felt about taylor come 2010 because that reagan in paris texas who only had a country radio station that she could play on her brass radio, loved Taylor Swift. And I didn't think that I would care as much as I do, but it's like, I feel like they're going to be like new album releases for me, honestly. Like that's just how it's going to feel. Mm-hmm. Is like, because it does, it does sound different and more mature and like, I don't know. Like, I think something that people have been noticing too, which kind of broke my heart, honestly, when I like figured out that Taylor Swift wasn't actually like a like country, country kind of girl. You know what I mean? Like that she mm-hmm. was kind of forcing this twang that I thought was like genuine and like something that I could relate to, but is actually like she was kind of like forcing at the time. Like now hearing her just like sing them and not do that, you know? It's like, Mm -hmm. I still love them just as much. And I feel like I'm going to fall in love with it all over again. I I miss this era of of Taylor so much. Like, as much as I enjoyed 1989, like, I feel like Red was the beginning of the end for me. Red was bad. And people say that's her best album. I just don't agree. I'm not a fan of it. I'm obviously not a folklore and evermore kind of girl like but fearless let me tell you when if if and when she re-uploads speak now do not talk to me no one talk to me if anything (laughs) get to digging because you might have to put me in a casket like that's how serious i am about that album i loved old taylor swift yeah i mean like I don't have too much of an opinion about it. I'm glad that she's able to do this. It still doesn't make too much legal sense to me at all how, like, 
it works because like she doesn't own the songs but like you were saying there wasn't too much too many changes were there in love story i mean besides like the backing it's more in tune yeah yeah so like that's why like this whole thing like i'm very curious about but it sucks because as much as I'm not a fan for Taylor, she also has been someone who's been screwed over in the industry a lot. And, like, the fact that, like, she has to deal with this sucks. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, Especially because she's one of the few people, I think, that has a lot, like, a lot of artists have a hand in their music. But, like, she definitely, like, all this early stuff was her music. It was. And it was so interesting to think about the fact that, like, someone could buy her music and sell it and just like she has no say over any of that and when you really think about how much music that she puts out and how much money she's missing out on because it's she doesn't own it that just it's it's infuriating yeah it's yes like especially when it's like the men that have control over it it's like wow yeah it's honestly like incredible that it was like that she was taken so advantage of and like it went on for so long and we did I feel like we, none of us knew mm-hmm. so like I'm I don't know if I'm gonna listen but I'm excited that she's able to do this I was a little disappointed by how easy her like quote hidden message was of April 9th yeah I mean <laughs> you know who I don't really care about all that but I will <laughs> you know delete all of the old music out of my phone and only play Taylor's versions from now on but yeah yeah that's the tea and that's my sorry not sorry this week but all right guys thank you so much for listening if you can like do it if you can share do it if you can subscribe do that be out here in the streets for us because we're trying to be out here in the streets for you guys and as always thanks for listening bye